on episode 28 of the InsureTech Geek Podcast, talking about high-tech crop insurance with Simon Schwal from Oco Insurance. Sure Tech Geek Podcast, powered by JB Knowledge, is all about technology that's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. We'll be interviewing guests and doing deep dives into specific technologies we see changing the industry. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech, so enjoy the ride and geek out. Back in a second. Back with another episode of the InsureTech Geek Podcast. We've got another international episode. Uh, a very, very interesting international man of mystery. Is he French? Is he from Luxembourg? Is he Israeli? We don't know. We're going to find out. He's joining us from Israel, Mr. Simon Schwal. Simon, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, glad to have you on the show. Also with us, my fellow Texagander, Rob Galbraith, the most interesting man in insurance. Rob, what's going on, brother? Hey, welcome back to the heat of Texas, my friend. It's it's back. It's hot and muggy. My girls went outside this morning. They stepped outside for five minutes to go jump on the trampoline, came back in. And I was like, man, that was quick. Like, man, it's already hot and muggy. Seven o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's not Michigan anymore. I mean, it's terrible. It's truly, truly terrible temperatures. But, but we love the great state of Texas, even despite this little this little three month period that we call Hades. It's it, it get it gets better pretty fast in the fall, and then it stays good through the winter. So that's why we're here. That and the low taxes and the great Tex Mex. So good to have you, Rob, on the show. And Simon, we're gonna. We're going to get back to you in just a second. I want to remind you that if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can text Geek Out. That's G E E K O U T, Geek Out to 66866. Make sure you never miss an episode. Text Geek Out to 66866. Back to Mr. Simon Schwal from OKO Crop Insurance. Simon, we love talking about insurance. We love talking about technology. But more than that, we love talking about the people behind it. Now, you have an interesting educational background, and you're you're kind of half French, half Luxembourgian. What do you call someone from Luxembourg? Luxembourger. Luxembourger. That sounds like <laughs> something that 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 In and Out would serve. The, I, I, it's it's like like a, like a secret menu item at, at In and Out. I'd like a Luxembourger, please. Like, it's like a burger, but extra special, a little sweet, a little hint of French. You know, maybe maybe that uh, Thousand Island or Fr- a French dressing on top of it called the Luxembourger. So, did you grow up in Luxembourg or in France or in both? I was born in Luxembourg. I lived uh, a bit a bit in both. I would say more mostly in France, south of France. Yeah, awesome. So you got your bachelor's in, in France, I believe, and, and then you went to the University of Singapore, National University of Singapore, for your master's. And so tell, tell me about like you know, when you were growing up and I was a, a little French boy, I dreamed of making baguettes or you know whatever it was. Like, by the way, I can say that because I'm like a quarter French. Grandmother's French. She's from Provence. And I, I love France. Okay? I love France. Just to be really clear, I don't call them freedom fries. I call them French fries. All right, I love France. I think it's great. Brie, it's one of my favorite cheeses. I love a good baguette. I've had I had a great time touring France. All right, so just just to to, to sandwich this in that statement, <laughs> when you were a, a boy growing up in Luxembourg in France, what did you dream of doing? And then when you're when you're studying uh, science in college, 
uh, and going into international management and graduate school in Singapore? Like what, what path did you think you were on and how did you wind up in crop insurance? Yeah. So uh, first thing you'll, you'll like it, but my first job was actually as a baker. So I, during my uh, summer, (laughs) (laughs) summer holidays, I was making sandwiches in, in London for the bankers, like French sandwiches. So yeah, my first dream job as a, as a kid was to be a baker. So that's a very stereotypical. But yeah, then I, I traveled during my studies, as you, as you could see, I went to, to Singapore. Even before starting my bachelor, I did a trip to, to Mongolia to help cattle, cattle herders to, to build new shelters for their sheep. So I was quite early on open to new horizons. Maybe the fact that also that I moved from place to place, from Luxembourg to France, back to Luxembourg, it gave me more flexibility in my yeah in my mind. I don't feel like I have strong roots anywhere. So yeah, I was very early on open to new places, to to Asia, to to Africa, uh, and I think that's why I came back to this later on after I graduated. So I studied indeed management in in France in Paris at HEC, which is a prestigious school in in Europe, a bit in Singapore. And initially with uh, the idea in mind that I would work in the media industry. Mm. Uh, but then uh, media and telecom became quite related. The uh, mobile operators started to offer TV and stuff like this. And I discovered the world of telecom. And in the world of telecom, I realized that it was changing the world, especially in Africa. It was changing the way people work and, and transact. They were finally able to pay each other remotely without having a bank account, just using their phones. So that's why I became very interested in uh, the space of uh, payment and micropayment and ended up in uh, microinsurance. That's awesome. So talk to, talk about the origin story of your current company. Tell me where it where the idea came from. Where was the pain point you identified that made you want to start this business and in crop insurance? All right. So I worked for a startup. I did the first few years of my career in uh, strategic consulting. And then I joined a startup called Bima that is providing life and health microinsurance to populations in emerging markets. So during my years as a consultant, I discovered, as I said, mobile money, the way people transact with their phones. And I wanted to be part of this. So I joined this company called Bima. They sent me to Papua New Guinea. So I launched their operations in Papua New Guinea. From scratch, I grew the company from zero to 150 employees to, to, to 350,000 subscribers. So it was a huge success. So I saw one uh, on one side that it was possible to offer insurance to people who never had insurance before using partnership with mobile operators, using the device that they have on their pocket, in their pockets already. But then I saw that most of them were having part or all of their incomes coming from agriculture. And this was a huge risk on their life, on their lifestyle, because every time they suffer from a bad season, they would lose most or the entirety of their income. So it was great that we could provide them live and health insurance, but I saw that there was a huge risk on the majority of our customers that was absolutely not covered. So knowing that I had a tool in my hands to distribute insurance and that there was this strong need, I decided to leave this company and create OCO. So it's not OKO, it's OCO, sorry for that, to bring affordable insurance to the Billions of farmers around the world that have no way to secure their income today. Does that mean that they can apply for it on their phone? Can they text in for insurance? Exactly. So they don't need to have a mobile. Um, sorry, they don't need to have a smartphone. They don't need to have internet. They don't need to have a bank account. They just need to text us. So to be precise, it's not really a text. It's a code that they need to dial on the phone, and a menu pops up on the screen. On this menu, you can choose to register, to find out more, to request a callback. So it's really making it uh, accessible to anyone, even from the remote part of the country, where there's no 3G coverage, to have access to insurance. 
And how do they use this? I mean, is, is it a chat bot? Is it a live agent on the other side? And how are you binding it? And how quickly can you issue insurance and where are you licensed? Okay, so we are licensed as an insurance agent. So we are partnering with an insurance company locally. It would be lengthy to obtain insurance insurer license in each market. So yeah, we, it's not really a chatbot. We tried the chatbot initially, but people struggle to read and write. There are lots, uh, many times, they are most often uneducated. So it's difficult for them to interact uh, with text interfaces. So what we did is uh, we added this option to have to request a callback and then people call them back from our call center and uh, take the details to complete a registration form that is very basic location, crop type, field size. And from these three information, we can give you a price for insurance. So they receive their, they, they are told, yeah, they're given this quote over, um, over the phone vocally and then by a text message. And then they can pay using the payment systems that the mobile operators offer in these countries. Awesome. Rob? Simon, this is fascinating background and uh, fascinating how you came upon this opportunity. I'm just kind of curious, maybe you can go a little more in depth on the local insurance carriers that you partner with. So you kind of mentioned, you know, you're just collecting a, a very few data points. What's happening behind the scenes? And maybe it varies by carrier. Like, are they doing any type of, you know, weather modeling, catastrophe modeling, looking at, you know, flood exposure, rain, et cetera, maybe kind of give us a glimpse for the, the underwriting that being behind the scenes. And then maybe you can give a sense for also what is a typical cost for these policies? Because again, you mentioned a lot of these folks are probably, you know, living right year to year, right? Based on the crops and whatnot, don't have a lot of uh, discretionary income. So I'm just curious for the uh, premium size for these accounts. Sure. So these insurance companies, they were not providing crop insurance before. The reason why is that, as we say, these smaller farmers, they can pay maybe between 10 and maybe 30, maybe $40 a year. And to provide insurance to these people, you would need to send someone on site to create a quote. You would need to have a network of agencies to collect the premiums. And you would need to send an expert on site at the end of the season to verify the claims, assess the damages, calculate uh, the compensations. So all these costs would be way too expensive for smaller farmers, or it would pump up the, uh, the, the price of insurance and then it wouldn't be affordable anymore. So what we do is we use index insurance. So our insurance is based on data. We cover only weather risks, but we have a very good knowledge of the weather risk because we have we use 25 years of historical weather data that we collect from satellite providers. So in any place in the country, we can know what is the, we, we know what is the frequency of droughts, floods, of extreme temperatures, of extreme wind speeds. So we can calculate the risk based on this data. So we do this on behalf of the insurance company. So we create the insurance product. We have a partnership with uh, Allianz, the German insurance group. Uh, so they reinsure the products. So we share our calculations with them. Once they approve it, then we can sell it locally. Uh, so we design the product, the Allianz reinsures it. A local insurance company uh, issues us a, a group policy contract, and then we can start distributing it. So we onboard customers to this group policy contract. They don't have to sign any documents themselves. They just need to contribute, so pay their premium or their contribution via mobile, and then they are on board. So the costs, as you said, yeah, we need to keep it really low cost. So at the moment, I think farmers are, are insured with us. They paid in average about $9, 10 per policy. So that's for a season. So that's for five months of coverage. To cover against droughts and floods and that's for about uh, one hectare one and a half hectare so i think you in, a, in acres it would be about four or five acres so yeah that's really low cost it's about five percent of the insured value 
and that's what customers can afford. So then it's the, the big challenge that we have is about scaling up, having enough of these customers to cover our fixed cost and to make it a profitable business. And then Simon, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of the things that you're you're looking for is to partner in some some emerging economies with local insurance firms, correct? Maybe you can talk about how you found some of the ones that you have to date and, and what you're looking for in a potential partner. Yes. So indeed, we're not an insurance company ourselves. So we partner with insurance companies that have presence in emerging markets. So today we're mostly in Africa, in West Africa especially, but we are looking at other markets. It could be Southeast Asia, it could be South Asia, it could be Latin America. We know that there is a similar need in all these markets. So we found Alliance, actually Alliance was already working with BIMA, so my previous employer, Life and Health Insurance. And uh, they know the model and they were very interested in going into crop insurance. They did a few tests and uh, they were lacking a solution to bring it to scale. So they, when, when I reached out to them, they were very uh, interested in what we were doing. So we signed a partnership with Alliance at the African level, so for the full continent. So we know that other companies like uh, AXA, they are very much, yeah, they're looking into this. They created AXA Climate uh, to cover climate risks. So uh, we see a growing trend, a growing demand for these kind of products by large insurance companies. So yeah, if we have insurers among the audience that came to, to test this in the markets, feel free to reach out. That's awesome. So what's technologically speaking? I mean, this is a tech podcast, right? You've, you've enabled people to very quickly, I mean, you're not a carrier. It doesn't look like you're an MGA. You're, you're a broker, right? Yeah. So you don't have text bots for, for obvious reasons. And, and the reasons that you've laid out that, you know, chat bots can't handle this kind of interaction. So you have a call center with people who take phone calls. You've got a text line. Where's the technology, right? Like okay. what, where's, where, where's the technology that's really making this different than just changing a business model? Yeah, so there are two sides to our technological solution. One is about distribution. So uh, some parts are really low tech. So it's call center, it's SMS, it's really basic. But still, we need to automate everything in the back end. So we are connected to the operator's API in terms of mobile payment, in terms of SMS, in terms of also voice calls, so we can do road calls. Uh, so whenever a customer makes a payment, it automatically updates the policy in our system and Again, to keep costs low, we had to redesign a, a CRM, a customer relationship management tool from, from scratch to make it really light so that it could operate with a low net, low bandwidth, to make it cheap, to make it scalable. So we, we built this cloud platform to manage the insurance policies, to interact directly with, with customers who are not connected to the internet, so connecting with SMS, with USSD, with, with mobile money APIs. So that's one part of the solution. The other part of the solution is uh, the data science that is behind the products. So we are collecting a huge amount of data, so weather data, but also yield, historical yield data, to understand the correlation between, for example, let's say a 20% is in rainfall during the season, how is it going to impact the yield at the end of the season? And when is it critical that the rain falls? What is the impact of a shortage of rain in the beginning of the season versus the end of the season? So all of this, it's a lot of data science that our actuaries are working on to come up with a product that is reliable enough for farmers to trust in insurance. It's usually the first experience in insurance. And for us to be sure that we cover the right risk at the right price. But if you're not the carrier... Why do you have to go into that level of detail? I mean, isn't aren't your carrier partners doing that underwriting when you pass the data on the on the information to them? I mean, you know, there, there's only so much you have to do as a broker, right? Yeah. So because these are very new products, it's a new expertise that not all insurers have. So we 
talk with the agricultural experts of IONS and they have a fairly good knowledge of, of how this should work. Uh, but they want to see, they, they don't have the, the bandwidth, the operating scale to, uh, to do this in every market for every crops. So uh, that's why we need to bring this to them. We need to do this work of preparing a product and then they will validate it. But they don't have, at least at this stage, the, uh, the expertise and the scale to build uh, products to industrialize the, the creation of products. If they don't have the expertise, uh, then how are they actually writing the policies? <laughs> they uh, they see the... They trust you? <laughs> they trust our calculations. They look at uh, what is the, the payment rate, the, the risk ratio, the, the frequency of payouts. The, so based on all these parameters, they, they and checking that we did, did this work on historical data on a large number of data, they can they can trust us. So yeah, it's we are kind of making it easier for insurance companies to provide these products. Some some insurers are doing this themselves. I talked about AXA. They created uh, AXA Climate to create these kind of products. So some insurers need us to do this. Some others don't. So in that case, we can always provide the distribution solution, which all of, all insurers are, are missing today. Fascinating. I find it interesting that you're kind of pulling your markets along, right? I mean, you're, you're basically saying yeah. you have more expertise in this area than your markets do. They're still willing to write the paper, even though they don't fully understand the product to actually write the paper. So, yeah, so insurers, insurers are really interested in one thing, is opening these new markets. So Africa is growing, uh, the middle class is growing, and people don't have insurance today, they never heard of insurance. So, And these people might never have a bank account. They will jump straight to mobile payments. So they need insurers need to understand how to address these customers, what are their needs, how to reach them, how to, how to collect payments from them. So that's what is the most interesting for our insurance partners. So, but you're right, we need to, to somehow educate the, the insurers, but also educate the, the, the farmers because farmers don't, don't know about insurance. So it's a lot of work that, uh, that we do to create a market. But the good thing is that once we create this market, it's, it's a blue ocean. Uh, we don't have, we don't compete uh, with incumbents. Uh, there are not many, many players on this field yet. So once we crack the distribution part, then we open a, a brand new business of millions and millions of customers. We estimate it's about 500 million farms globally that, uh, that need this kind of product. Yeah. So walk me through what's next. Like right now, because you're, 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 you're really in the infancy of this company, what countries are you operating in right now? Like where are you writing policies right now? And what countries do you want to be operating in in the next year? So today we operate in Mali, West Africa, and in Uganda, in East Africa. So these are interesting markets because they are very focused on agriculture. There are big exporters of cotton, for example, or coffee for Uganda. And these were great places to start our operations. But we know that we need to grow to larger markets in order to make it a big business, international and fast growing. So we're looking at Nigeria. We're looking at Ivory Coast. We're looking at also outside Africa. We're looking at Colombia, for example, as a market where we could, that could be huge for us. Uh, we've always looked also at India, but the situation is a bit more complex there with the states being in charge of crop insurance. It's, it's a bit more lengthy. So it's like the United States then? It's a state-based insurance system? Uh, yes, in, uh, in India it is. There is a, a nationwide product that has been approved, and then there's a uh, the monopoly, I think, is given to one insurer per state. So it's making things a bit more complicated. So... Yeah, for now, we focus on Africa. We're looking at mostly Nigeria and Ivory Coast as next uh, priority markets. And beyond that, uh, yeah, Nigeria, uh, sorry, we said Nigeria already, <laughs> and Namibia, uh, South Africa as well, Mozambique, Cameroon. So there are a lot of very strong markets, agriculturally speaking, that need these kind of solutions. 
And uh, the good thing is usually the same insurance companies and mobile operators operate in, uh, in all these markets. So that makes the growth easier, but still, yeah, it's a lot of efforts to go market to market. Yeah, it's fascinating. So where, where do, you, do you really want to, do you think you'll ever target North America? Or are you going to stay really in the developing world, like move into Latin America, South America, stay in, really expand in Africa? I mean, what, 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 where do you think, where do you think the real growth opportunity is for crop insurance? Obviously, crops are grown everywhere. So, I mean, you could say, mm-hmm. I want to target the whole world, but the reality is you've got a very specific type offering. And so, where do you think you really, really should go long term with this? So, index insurance could work as well in Northern America and Europe. It's actually used in some niche markets like vineyards. Olive trees, for example, so that have very specific needs and no tailor-made products today. So it could be a market, but what we believe is that with the scale of, you know, of agriculture in the developing markets and with the absence of existing solutions, that's where the biggest opportunity lies. And we know that other players will will provide these niche products that are needed in the developed markets. So we specialize really in distributing and making this insurance products work in emerging markets. To do so, though, we need, yeah, we need investments to grow. So today, as you said, we are, uh, as, as I said, we are in two markets. We proved that this model works. We grew faster than any other uh, previous initiatives in this space. In a matter of three months, we had 2,000 farmers registering. We were just one product for, for corn in Mali. Yeah, let's pause for a second and just talk about Mali, okay? You have 2,000 farmers in Mali. How did you acquire them? Like, what was the method of customer acquisition? Was What was the customer acquisition cost? Was it really high, really low? What what tools? I mean, you, you said you're dealing with a largely illiterate population or, or borderline literate population who has a tough time texting. Like, how are you reaching them? Is it costing a lot to get to them? Uh, walk, yes. walk me through so the mechanics there. We have there. two means to two, two communication channels to these farmers. We have a mobile. So all these farmers have a mobile phone. It's not connected to the internet, but they have mobile phones. So we do SMS sendouts. We do just cold calling, uh, calling, getting lists of, of numbers and calling customers to reach out to them. But we also get inbound calls uh, following radio campaigns. And the fact also that we are integrated in this mobile money menu of operators that are used by 4 million people in Mali every month. That's a real good a good showcase for our product uh, to be to be in that menu. So that's that's how we acquired a third of our customers. The other two thirds we acquired through uh, ground presence. So we have a network of agents who are paid uh, by the commission every time they register customers. This customer is paying a premium. So we have about seventy agents around Mali that uh, go from cooperative to cooperative, from marketplace to marketplace to introduce insurance and uh, register new customers. So the cost of acquisition is therefore quite high. It's about $9 today, which you would say for an insurance company in the US, it wouldn't be a lot. But for us, because they are only paying about $10 a year, and we are keeping only a fraction of that, yeah, a proportion of that, yeah. we need to reduce this further and we need to scale up quickly. So we are now implementing new innovations such as WhatsApp chatbots. We found out that 30% of our customers use, what, uh, use WhatsApp. And they use it for voice notes. So they don't read or write. They just send each other voice messages. Uh, so we're going to have a chatbot based on these voice messages to make it accessible to all these, uh, these farmers and further reduce the cost of acquisition. We're going to have a voice, uh, interactive voice menu, uh, again, for people to speak in their native language, which is not always a written language, to make it really accessible to all and make it automated so that we reduce the cost of acquisition again. Yeah, I mean... Let's say you're getting a standard broker. Let's say you're getting 15% on a $10 policy. It's a buck fifty. A $9 CAC is 
is obviously way too high. And but you but you you previously said that their their language skills aren't going to be doing really well for for WhatsApp. That, you know, so I'm 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 wondering whether or not WhatsApp's really going to really going to work or not only because of the previous comment you made about them having a tough time with ch- chatbots. If with if the agent's not there to let them know about it, are you going to have to implement a a a market wide like go into the markets and do ad campaigns? Like are you going to do like a a ground on the ground print ad campaign with signs in the marketplaces where they come to sell their goods? I mean, that'd be the place to reach them, right? Is to sponsor the marketplaces where they come to sell all their crops. So we'll do a bit of that, but uh, again, mobile is really the game changer in this in this space, especially in Africa. So operators offer solutions to do, for example, robot calls. So even if uh, farmers can't, can't read, they will get the, the message across through, uh, in, in their local language through these kind of calls. When I talk about WhatsApp, I'm talking about voice notes. So yep. it's not uh, uh. text, it can be videos and voice messages that we send to them. You would be amazed to see group chats on WhatsApp in, uh, in Mali. No one types anything. It's only uh, voice notes to voice notes. Really? I mean, so I mean, all I have offices in Argentina and South Africa, and all of my employees in those countries use WhatsApp exclusively, but they largely type the text. Uh, I've I can't say I've seen a large group chat with all voice notes. That I, I yeah. that must be chaos. <laughs> it's got to be absolute chaos. <laughs> uh, it is. Yeah, it is more difficult to follow, but for them, it's a, it's a great innovation. They they before that they could only have radio, and uh, now they have a personalized means of communication. So we can give them a very specific message. We can say, okay, if you grow maize type one, if you grow cotton type two, and we send a specific voice note specific to their, to their request. Ah, I like that. So uh, that's the way we see distribution being the most. So, so WhatsApp is your distribution channel partner long term. Yeah, for now, for 30% of our customers. The rest, we still rely on SMS, uh, voice notes, uh, call center calling. Yeah. Um, but well, look, insurance, I think it's important to talk about the moral good of insurance, right? Like the, it's not, you're not just there to make a profit. You're literally there improving the planet. Like if the planet, I mean, and, and this is, I think, not not enough people think about the bigger picture, the philosophy of insurance, but the philosophy is pooling risk so that we can all get by. We, we, we all chip into the pool so that when something happens bad to one person, they can be taken care of and, and the, the the pool doesn't dissolve, right? Yeah. That's, that's the entire point. And so there's a real good moral good here in that there's families that won't starve now in Mali because of this, right? Like that's exactly. So I really like, like the that's, a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Insurance is most needed by the most vulnerable people who can lose everything. And it's the, those people who have least access to it. So in that sense, we're really making something that has a strong impact. When you break your phone and need a new one, that's it's good to have insurance. But if you lose all your income for, for the next six months, and then you have suddenly insurance that help come and helps you to prepare the next season to to get by until the next season starts, that's going to uh, to save your, your family, to maybe prevent you from, uh, from migrating to the city and uh, have a low-paying job while you wait for for the next season. So it really has a strong impact on the life of these, these farmers. Not only that, but also because we reduce the cost, the risk that these farmers are exposed to, we open the door to them to microloans. Microloans uh, there you go. has been proven as a very effective way to help people grow their business. So for example, for farmers, it means being able to buy more fertilizers to grow more and then next season have more income to plant more seeds. But the problem is that farmers are very often denied these microloans because they have a high risk of non-repayment because as soon as the rain 
doesn't come in time, then they might not be able to repay. So we are starting to do partnerships with micro uh, finance companies so that loans are being made more accessible, our rates are better for farmers who are insured. So then it starts a virtual circle, circle where farmers get insured, then they get a loan, they can plant more, they can grow more, they yeah. can pay a higher premium to us, which is good. Um, they can grow their business further and they equip it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the goal is the goal overall, like societally, is higher product, higher production of agricultural goods, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because the consumption needs are there. I mean, so that the goal is for people to produce more crops and then they get paid when the crops fail. Uh, microfinance has been proven to work over and over and over and over again. The repayment rates that we've looked at in Africa, because I have friends who are who who have actually funded microfinance startups in Africa. Their their repayment rates are super high. People repay these loans, and you know a, a small loan goes a long way. Just like a small premium goes a long way in in this and in, in, in insurance. So there, there's it's important to note. First off, this there's a great business model behind eliminating friction that a lot of these people have to getting insurance because that's largely what keeps them from buying insurance. Right? It's just too difficult. Either they don't know about it. They don't know they can even get it, and that's fairly common. Or if they don't know about it, if they do know about it, it can be really challenging for them to actually acquire the insurance, and they give up. But if you combine microfinance and insurance, you're solving like number one, number two problems to getting into business and staying into business for a lot, of, a lot of these farmers. I mean, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, I love the I love the trajectory it could go. It's exciting to see that the early results in Mali are so good. It it's you know the only concern, right? The only concern is the customer acquisition cost and the need to use agents. But but that's really like the but I understand you 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 also are pretty early stage so you're having to pivot and find all the ways you can find your customer and where are they hanging out online and how do we reach them online without having to have a person go meet them in person. So uh, the really cool thing in Africa, and my parents have been very involved in Uganda for a number of years. The last 15 years, they've been really involved in Uganda, is how explosive the use of mobile technology was. They really leapfrogged wireline because they couldn't afford for the build out, but they could afford cell towers. And I mean, my, my dad told me 15 years ago, he goes, James, the cell coverage here in Entibi is better than back in Louisiana. And uh, I was amazed. And so that that's really a game changer, right? Yeah. So mobile is, is really game changing in Africa. People receive their salary on the phone and they can pay for their electricity bill on the phone and they can have a solar panel, for example, that they, they pay their own kind of uh, power station. So they have a, a solar panel and every time they need to electricity, they need to send an SMS and it repays the solar panel. Or they can activate irrigation with their phone suddenly sending an SMS to uh, your irrigation system that has a SIM card. So it's really changing. Uh, a lot of industries in Africa and the uh, financial industry was the first one with uh, remittance, with uh, payments. Insurance is coming next. Uh, there's also micro pension funds now uh, using phone transactions. Uh, credit risk is done looking at your usage of phone and how you paid with your phone, how you recharge your, your account. So it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, area to, to explore. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, w- how many lines do you think you can offer? I mean, you, you can't stop at crop insurance, right? I mean, why not move into property, commercial auto? I mean, insure their tractors and their barns too, right? Yeah, the the challenge is always in the claim verification. So if you do a yeah, tractor insurance, it's going to be tricky to verify the claims remotely. 
unless they can send a picture, they can, yeah, I think the smartphone adoption needs to grow a bit, uh, a bit stronger in order for these kind of products to, uh, to arrive. But for example, we saw, we did a short project for uh, warehouses in Morocco. So they were in an area that was in risk of flooding. So they were looking for this kind of index insurance as well for to protect their stock against uh, against potential flooding of the of the commercial area. So this could also work for them. We work with AB InBev, uh, so the beer company. We provide insurance to the body growers in Uganda. But now we are also trying to see if we could provide insurance to the people who are collecting beer bottles in uh, in the capital cities to for recycling. Because on a day where it's uh, too rainy or in a day where there's a, a lockdown, uh, they cannot work. So can we also provide uh, micro-insurance to these kind of informal workers? Uh, a lot of possibilities. We, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, this doesn't work. I can also, can also create an insurance for ski holidays. Like if, if there's no snow in your, in your resort, you get, you get compensated. So you don't lose all your, you, you can change your, your flight tickets and go somewhere else. So this kind of index insurance product is, is really powerful and then coupled with micropayments and mobile payments, it depends the, the way to yeah. new products. Will you, be, will you be excluding pandemics in your coverage? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for now, we don't do live and health insurance. It's I know, but you just mentioned business interruption with the bottle collectors. Yeah. If, the, if the city's on lockdown, is that a pandemic-related claim and will you cover it? So... Um, uh, we didn't explore this yet, but indeed we explored lockdown because that's very easy to check. Is there a decree? Is there a yeah. statement from the mayor or, I don't know, something that states that the bars cannot open and the streets shouldn't be clear? In that case, we can uh, trigger payments. So as long as it's a, something that we can Measurable. verify remotely uh, and that we can measure also in the past so to have uh, statistics on how often the problems happen, then we can uh, provide insurance. In other words, the the key, and I'm I'm really repeating what you just said, but the key is remote verification. I mean, on on everything. So you might be able to do property once you have a fleet of drones you could deploy to fly over a property and verify damage. Maybe maybe you can remotely verify it, or you could tap into. I mean, there's so many satellites flying overhead now that you can get near real time footage of on, on on property from a satellite. So if you can verify the damage remotely then it's a line you can try and get in to cover. And, and in particular with weather events, that's very easy to verify. If you had an event, a government decree is very easy to verify because it's published publicly. So I'm with you. That's awesome. Well, Simon, I'm excited about the future here of OCO, crop insurance. R- really, really neat. I think you're you're actually doing a round coming up. Is that right? True. So we, we had a first round about uh, a year and a half ago. Uh, now we're raising a second round to scale up. So as I said, we, we have proof of traction in, yes, in the first market. We signed important partnerships with huge companies such as Alliance, such as AB InBev. So we're now trying to close the, the second round. It's a difficult time for to speak to, to, to investors, but we have already a few investors committed. But we are still looking for, for yeah, strategic, strategic investors. So fintech investors or tech investors or impact investors. So if that's something that is uh, interesting to your audience, again, I hope you, you will share the, uh, the details so that they can get in touch with us. Yeah, so how can they find you? Uh, so oco.finance, HTTP oco.finance. Uh, so um, that's our website. We have a strong presence on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you can find that find us under Oco Assurance, I think, or Oco Insurance. Uh, so we have a good presence online and uh, otherwise an email at uh, info at oco.finance. 
in food. Oh, yeah. So it's OKO info at OKO Oko dot uh, finance. Where's the name come from? Oko is the name of a deity in West Africa and Orisha. So it also exists in Latin America. So it's an ancient divinity that is protective of agriculture. Mm. We chose this name, obviously, for that reason, but also because it's short. And as you see, we use SMS. We use um, uh, means of communication where every character counts. So something with three letters is, is useful. Yeah. So if you're an investor out there and you're interested in checking out uh, being in their second round, again, that's uh, info at oco.finance. You can go check out their website at oco.finance and check out what's going on in crop insurance and more. There's there's more that they do than just crops, but this is a really, really exciting segment. And certainly it's it's really great to see a company focused on delivering insurance to people who need it the most. And uh, if you had not spent time in, develop, in the developing world, I encourage you if you're a listener to get out there and go go check it out. It's their needs in insurance are different. The way they buy it is different. The way they consume it is different. The way you handle claims is different. And there's a lot of buyers out there, right? There's billions of people in the developing world that need insurance even more than than we do in in the developed world of uh, Western Europe and the United States, Canada. It's it's really really impressive. Well, Simon, thanks a bunch uh, for your time today. I'm uh, I'm I'm fired up for you, and I'm fired up for your product, and I hope it goes well. Cool. I'll be in touch. I'll show you, show you the updates. Awesome. And uh, to all listeners, thank you out there for joining us for our interview with Oko Insurance. Rob, any, any closing uh, comments? I'm just so excited about what you're doing, Simon. And I love, it's just very inspiring. You know, you kind of saw a need and saw where there wasn't any any service really, right, for folks. And so I think we always talk about kind of, you know, improving customer experience for existing things. And so you're kind of building a market on whole cloth. So congrats to you and best of luck. Thanks. That's great. And again, thanks for joining us today. Uh, this has been the InsureTech Geek podcast powered by JB Knowledge. It's jbknowledge.com. It's all about technology. It's transforming and disrupting the insurance world. I've been your host, James Benham, jamesbenham.com with co-host Rob Galbraith. That's endofinsurance.com. Big thanks to Jim Greenley, our podcast producer, and Kara Daltonaro, our creative producer. And thank you for joining us today. We're taking you on a journey through insurance tech. So enjoy the ride and geek out. See you next week.